Hey, we are continuing. I, I had to get out of that mindset. Sorry. Um, we are continuing our series, Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks, um, this morning. And this has been a great series because it applies to almost every one of us. If you're single and you're considering romance in your future, or you're in the middle of a romantic relationship, there's hope for you through this series. If you just got engaged, there's a better way forward, we found out in this series. If you're married or if you've been married and now you're not married and you're back in the dating scene, there's a path that if we jump on, our life can go in a better direction. And this has been important for me. I kind of wanted to do this series just because I see how relationships undermine our happiness so often in our lives. And I just wanted to talk about it so maybe we can figure some stuff out that will get us in a better place. So in this series, this is week five, which means you're coming in at the end of the movie. We've talked about some myths. And the first myth we talked about was the right person myth. And the right person myth is once you meet the right person, everything will be all right. And we know that's not true, but when we're Meet, but that's a mindset we live in often. And then we talked about the promise myth. And the promise myth is a promise replaces the need for preparation. Isn't it true? We think that we'll be ready just by you know, a promise and a party. Or making a vow and then having a reception. That's all we need. And then the rest of the world, whether it's business or sports or medicine, we know that preparation is everything. But in a weird way, when it comes to relationships, we think all we need is a promise and a party. So we talked about that myth. And then we talked about Jesus' New Testament command that you know, our lives as Jesus followers has to emulate. And this was Jesus' command, to love each other as I have loved you. Now this is a big deal. This is not love as you define it or as I imagine it. This is love defined by Jesus when he gave his life, died on a cross, and rose for us. And then his followers 2,000 years ago embraced us and it changed the world. And then a couple of weeks ago we talked about the fine print that the Apostle Paul brought us, and this is what we said, if you miss this, you should go back and watch it, that the fine print makes you fine. And then last week, oh my goodness, Andy Stanley, our video teaching pastor, brought the five rules for dating that I thought were absolutely incredible. And if you missed that, we'd love for you to watch that. Now next week, I just want to give you a quick warning. Next week, we're going to talk about the heartbreaks in love, dates, and heartbreaks. Which means if you're in the middle of a heartbreak season in your life where you don't feel like your dreams can come true, you need to come next week. And if you know somebody that's in the middle of heartbreak where their dreams don't feel like they can come true, bring them. Because it's going to be a really important time today or together. But today what I want to talk about is how to avoid Groundhog Date. And you know what Groundhog Date is? Groundhog Date is that the next dating season of my life will just be like the last one. And the one I'm in now is going to represent those to come, and it just keeps happening over and over again. And we had to figure out how to, re to break the relational habits that are breaking us. In other words, how to date in a different direction. And if you're a parent, this is good to pass on to your kids. And if you're single, I hope you're paying really close attention. Because for years, we've talked about this idea that direction, not intention, determines your destination. I got to speak to some seniors at Van Wert High School, Crestview, and Lincoln View High School about this idea that direction, not intention, determines where you end up. And here's where we all want to end up with our intentions. We want to end up in a happy marriage, a happy relationship, full of joy and fun. The challenge is our intentions don't get us there. It's our direction that we take. And it's so easy to just to embrace an intention, but to do the hard work 
to go in the right path to, to end up where you want to go is where the challenge occurs. And here's something that challenges, there's a challenge for all of us that we, we often learn from our mistakes in the areas that matter least, don't we? Th- think about this. You took a bad Instagram photo and put it on the internet and your kid said, mom, dad, that's a terrible way to take a picture. So you learned how to take a better Instagram photo. You blew up your little lawnmower engine one time because you put the wrong oil in, and so you decide, I'll never make that mistake again. And so you do it the right way because you don't want to blow up your engines anymore. Here's the challenge. We repeat our mistakes in the areas that matter the most. So I'll learn how to take the right picture for Facebook, but I will not take the time and the energy to learn how to have a healthy relationship in my life. And often we do this because we buy into some myths, some unexamined assumptions in our life. And we carry these assumptions into adulthood, and then it causes us to make some crazy relationships decisions. And let me just go through a couple myths that are worth considering. There's the experience myth. This is a big one. And the experience myth is this, that experience will make me wiser. Do you know what experience does? Experience makes you older, my friends, right? And some of you feel like, I've had so much experience. Experience does not guarantee that next time will be different. And you know this because you know some people. They've had a lot of relationship experiences, but it's not getting any better. What we find is evaluated experience makes you wiser. The areas of your life that matter most, when we choose to evaluate them, we get wiser. Here's the challenge. I don't like to evaluate me. I'll evaluate my wife and my kids and my kids, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, wives, but I really don't want to evaluate me. And so what I end up doing is I end up blaming everybody else. And you've seen this in your own life. Like, she's just crazy. And he's just an idiot. It was all his fault. It was all her fault. And we never take the time to go, yeah, but what about... What about me and evaluate my own experience? Here's another myth. It's called the know better myth. And this says, since I know better, I'll do better. And this is just not true. Because knowing something doesn't mean you're going to necessarily do it. Here's how we know that. Some of you avoided church for a long time because you know some Christians, some church people that know. But they do not do. They know about the whole Jesus love people with all of your heart, mind, and soul, but they don't do it. Knowing does not make you a doer. For instance, you can know about self-control, which is a huge thing, especially for us men in our dating lives. But knowing self-control doesn't mean you can have self-control. It takes muscle repetition. It takes exercising your self-control muscle. And then when we're confronted with our mistakes, you know what we say? Oh, I know. You ever say that? Hey, you know, you really ought to think about, I know, I know, I know, I know, and I don't really need to go to church. I don't really need to know the truth. I don't really need to listen to my mama, and you should always listen to your mama, especially on Mother's Day. I'm throwing it out there for your moms, because I know, I know, I know. But knowing better doesn't mean you'll do better. In fact, to know better does not equal do better at all. It's why we need each other. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, why it's so good you're here, because we get to talk through this stuff and think through this stuff and read through this stuff, and we get input in our lives. That's why we all need wise people and truth in our lives. Here's another myth. It's called the time myth. So you're 25, and you feel like you're so old, right? You are not if you're 25. But you feel that way, and what you may feel is that time is against me. 
time is against me. If I have to watch another one of my friends get engaged and I can't even get a date, I am going to lose my mind. If I have to buy another, you know, bridal gown or maid's gown, what do they call those? Bridal party gowns, is that right? And I don't get to be the, uh, the bride, I'm going to lose my mind. And here's what's so interesting. When you talk to really healthy people that have really healthy relationships, they will just tell you this over and over and over again. The time is your friend. And as a pastor, one of the most difficult things for me to convince people of is that you need to take time. You need to take a break from dating and romance and go in a different direction. And time is your friend because in time you can get clarity. And you can see as God sees in time, you'll be able to hear the things that you can't hear right now. And in time, you'll be able to see the things you can't see right now. And this is the one we all hate, including me. In time, you'll be able to own the things that you can't own right now. You know the most powerful dating advice I give people? Time and a break can change your life. Time and a break from relationships and dating can change your life because what you do is you begin to see your contribution. And if you don't take time to step back and see it, you just blame. And you can't blame your way into a better future. We all know that, right? And blame allows you to smuggle your issues into your own future. And if I just blame, blame, blame everybody else, I bring my issues into whatever is next, the next relationship, the next marriage, the next boyfriend, the next girlfriend. And we got to deal with that stuff. You know, he just blows up all the time. She's just not stable. He's just angry. And then you try and talk to you about your stuff, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, don't blame me. It was all him. It was all her. But stepping back is powerful. And we have to figure out how to avoid groundhog dates and groundhog dating that just repeat the same cycle over and over. And this morning, we're going to talk about one big first step. It's not all the steps, but it's the one big first step. And we're going to glean this from the Apostle Paul. Now, you may not know who he is. He wrote over half the New Testament. He kind of hated Christians and he hated Jesus. And then he ran into Jesus, became a Christian. And then he took the message of Jesus, this that God has given his life for you and he loves you and he cares about you and he took it into the world. And he took it to places that were Gentile, which means they weren't Jewish and they didn't have all the background that Paul had. And they were pagan. That was just a name for not believing in the one God. Idol-worshipping, slave-owning, might-makes-right kind of culture. And he would walk in and bring this message of Jesus that you have incredible inherent value in the Son of God as a follower of him. And it would change the world. Do you know 2,000 years ago, women and children had no value? They were sold, they were bought, they were traded. And the message of Jesus was, God has placed incredible value on every human being. And Paul would elevate people that were disparaged and pushed aside. In fact, I, I think the Christian Americans in our world right now would be very frustrated with the Apostle Paul if he landed here and started sharing the message like he did 2,000 years ago because the value he put on people was amazing. And then he writes a little letter to a church in a place called Rome, and it's tough to be a Christian in Rome 2,000 years ago. And in light of how much God has done, this is what he says. He says, I urge you, 
brothers and sisters. And he urges them because we resist what he's about to say. So he pleads and he urges, he begs. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. This is a really important deal. In view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done, that God has paid for your forgiveness ahead of time, that you can have eternal forgiveness with God, eternal peace with God. He's given you grace in view of God's mercy. And this is what he's about to say, so I just want to give you a preface. I want you to write God a blank check with your life. I want you to say, God, here is my life, and whatever you want to do with it, you just do because of what you've done for me through your son, Jesus, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, just heads up, we don't really get this whole sacrificing thing in our modern day and age, but you know, 2,000 years ago, they sacrificed everything. But now it's time, Paul says, to give your life to God. To say, God, you have my life in light of what you've done. He goes on, he says, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. And this word true and this word proper come from one Greek word that equates to logic. And what Paul is saying is, the most logical thing for you and I to do in light of what God has done for us is to give him our entire lives. Because we read this to surrender our lives to God and we're like, oh, God, it's giving up so much and it's committing so much. And Paul said, no, it's just a logical thing to do. Because when someone loves you in the way God has loved you through Jesus, you just trust him. When you've been loved so well that a father would give his son for you, you just go, whatever else you say, God, it's yours. Blank check, my life is yours. That's what Paul's saying. That's what I want us to do. Then he goes on. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, if you want a different marriage in this context we're talking about, a different relationship, you have to take different steps than what everyone else is doing. And this is not because we're condemning culture. We just know this. Culture, when it comes to relationships, dating, and the marriage, it is not working very well. This is simply what he's saying. Do not be formed according to the pattern or a mold. In other words, don't be this little fella. You know what this little fella is? It's Christmas time. I'll flip it around because it looks more traditional this way. And you make your cookies and you just pop them out. One, two, three. And every cookie looks exactly the same, right? They're all in the same form. When I talk with couples that are thinking about getting married and they come to me and they go, hey, we're thinking about giving our lives to each other. I look at them and I say, the one prayer I have for you is that you are not normal. That you're not normal. Because my friends, normal is not working in our world. Marriage is not working very well in our world. Women are not respected very well in our world. Men are not becoming gentlemen in our world. So don't be pressed into a mold that God calls you not to be. He goes on. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be something different. In other words, allow yourself to be transformed. Open yourself up to be transformed. Don't be the guy where they say he's just like all the other guys. She's just like all the other girls. He just wants sex. She just wants a ring. He's out of his mind. She's crazy. Be different. In other words, instead of being this guy, be this guy. I'm telling you. I was going to buy one of these to put on stage. They were 50 bucks, so you get a picture instead. I'm not paying 50 bucks for a toy like this. 
But be optimist, freaking prime when it comes to your relationships. Be a transformer, be different, because the world is cranking out plenty of these guys, and we're not going in a better direction. And Paul says, I want you to be transformed into something so much better. He goes on. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this is a really big deal, especially if you're a religious person. Do you know that he does not say, pray a prayer and be transformed, although you should pray all the time. He does not say, make a promise. Put your hand on your heart and promise to be different. Because we all know that doesn't work. What he says is, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your mindset. Change the way you see the world. Change the way you see relationships. Women, change the way you see men. And men, change the way you view women. It's, it's kind of like my back deck. I mean, I got this back deck that I painted. And I made the mistake the first time around of just painting it without scraping it down with a wire brush. And so I put the paint on. It looked great, looked brand new. And about a month later, when it had been rained on and rained on and rained on, all that old paint from that was underneath the new paint just started to peel off along with my new paint. I was out 250 bucks in paint because I did not take the time to scrape off the old paint before I put on the new. You know this. What happens? What happens if you put on the new before taking off the old? The new just peels away. And the reason we know this is we've all experienced this in our faith journey. So you're not, you know, odd if you felt this. You know, you say, God, this time I'm sincere. This time I'm really going to do it. And then you just kind of find yourself in the same pattern. Next time's going to be different. And it just peels off because we have not decided to take some time and work on the old paint and the old stuff and the old yuck in our lives. And Paul's like, I urge you to say, God, my life's a blank check to you. I am surrendering my life to you. I've messed up, I've made some mistakes, so I'm just gonna say, God, peel away the old that's not good. Transform my thinking, and my heart will follow my thinking. And this is the challenge. Renewal, it takes time. Which brings us back to this idea that time, when it comes to relationships, is your friend. I tell our staff, I tell our team, I, I, I tell people, because I've heard this advice from other people, um, when a divorced person comes to me, and man, if you're divorced, so glad you're here, just so you know. When someone gets a divorce and they come to me and say, hey, I found something else, I'm thinking about getting remarried, I'm just like, yeah, that's fine. You should take two years off. No relationships for two years. Because divorce is painful and it throws you upside down. And you need time to clear your mind and see things clearly. And people are like, Matt, why are you against us? Why are you being hard on us? I'm not against you. I'm trying to help because I've seen this predictable pattern happen over and over where people jump right back into a relationship without dealing with the mess, getting some counseling, getting healthy and whole, and owning my part of it so it can be healthy in the future. Paul takes all this and he wraps this up with an invitation. And this is an old way of saying things, but he invites us to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. This truly is the best way to say it, or the boss of our lives. Or say, Jesus, you take control of my life. Because when you don't conform to the world, then, then there's a result. You will be able to test and approve, like figure out and understand. This is really cool. What? God's will is that when you renew your mind and you see clearly, you'll be able to discern what God's will is and it will make sense 
And it's not natural for us to understand God's will, so we gotta step out of our mess and step out of all the things that we've done to disrupt our lives, and I've done many of those things in my lives. But when we step out and we say, God, I'm just gonna follow your truth, it will make sense. Have you ever noticed a little kid will just keep asking you why? Why some of you had toddlers, and it's like, why, why, why? Because it doesn't make sense to them. Here's the cool thing. God wants it to make sense to you. He wants you to understand by the renewing of your mind. And you know this, we are far more inclined to do what makes sense than what we are merely told to do. Because some of us, we were raised in church and somebody like me stood up on stage and said, do this, do this, do this, do this. And we're like, I ain't doing that. Why would I do that? Especially the difficult part of dating and marriage and the places I have to say no to what I want. Why would I do that? Oh, it makes sense. And it's good for me. And I follow Jesus. And your heavenly father, he wants you to understand. In fact, when you read the apostle Paul's writing throughout the New Testament, time and time again, he's saying, God wants you to understand what he's doing in this world and with your life. And if you see and you hear what God is doing, you and I can take responsibility for our lives. Then, Paul says, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and perfect will. Do you know why I think he says pleasing in this? Because when you follow God's will in this area of your life or any area, you look back at your life and go, you know what, I'm glad I did that. That was a good decision. I'm glad I realized God knew more about my marriage than I did. The word perfect here means it will lead you to maturity and you'll see things. And when you see things the way God sees things, everything changes. And you know this, that regret and resolve are not enough. I have been in church all my life and I have said to God, God, I'm just gonna do it this time. I promise and I resolve and I feel bad about what I did and then I go right back to the same way of living until I realized God has a path for me and his path is what's best for his kingdom and what's best for my life. And regret and resolve are not enough. If you think the way you've always thought, you'll do the things you've always done. And if you do the things that you've always done, this is a big deal, you always return to Groundhog Date, where the last one looks just like this one, and this one will look like the next one. And in all our, mar- all our relationships, whether it's dating or marriage, I'm telling you, God's ways are the best. And when you see through God's eyes, it makes perfect sense. And he's called us, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, he's called you to something good. And I would just say this, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think this is the way forward, whether you believe in Jesus fully yet or not. That's why often, when your relationships have been a bit of a mess, you just need a break to get clarity and to change your thinking and to be Optimus Prime and be a transformed person. Because if you don't, what happens is we fall in some really lethal assumptions. And as I talk about just a few lethal assumptions, I just want you to think about these lethal assumptions as bondage into unhealthy ways. It's like being chained into things that will drown you relationally, and we have to examine these assumptions. Here's one we've talked a lot about. Once I find the right person, everything will be right. If you're still holding on to that, let it go. Here's one we haven't talked about. 
My situation, my situation is unique. Can, can I just say this? Because I love you. I don't know all of you. I love you all, though. So I woke up early to tell, talk to you this morning about all this. You're unique. Your situation is not. And when you use the idea of my situation is unique, you just shut off all advice, right? Because somebody's going to approach you like your mama or friend or pastor and go, hey, the relationships that you're going down and the way you're living right now, it's probably not best for you. Yeah, yeah, you don't understand. That probably is true for everybody else, but I'm unique. And this unique idea isn't true because this is a predictable road we all are on. I mean, it just happens over and over and over, this unhealthy way of dating and doing marriage. It's been happening for thousands and thousands of years. How about this lethal assumption? It may not be right, but it makes me happy. And God wants me to be happy. I've heard this for 28 years as a pastor. Okay, don't tell anybody I told you this. I have said this myself as a pastor, just so you know. And here's the truth, and most of you know this, maybe all of you know this, if it's not right, it's not going to be right. If it's not right, it's not going to be the best thing for you. It's not going to turn out right. Do you know that Jesus actually gave us the equation for happy? He called it blessed, but you can call it happy. He said blessed or happy is the person that thirsts for righteousness or right things because they'll be full. And the counterpart of that is People aren't happy that thirst for the unright things because it's an appetite. And you know this. The more you feed an appetite, the hungrier you are. The more you starve an appetite, the less hungry you become. And Jesus would say, if you want to be happy, search for the right things which is in your Father's will. I love you and I want what is right. <laughs> how, about this? how about this one? It's one of my favorite. Hey, sex will solve it. Sex will solve it. All the men were going, yeah, that's right. Sex solves it, right? Right, right. Say it, Matt. Tell everybody, tell her sex solves it. Sex is great. I'm a huge fan for married people. It's awesome. Sex does not solve anything. Sex makes things more complicated because it causes obligation, causes expectation. Single people, just ask the married people in the room. Doesn't it cause expectation? Yeah. You know what else sex causes? Babies. And all of a sudden you got a baby and now things are more complicated. And we all know this. You're a young couple and you're struggling in your marriage. If you decide you're going to have a baby to make your marriage better, all the old people in the room will go and you're out of your mind, right? Because babies make things more complicated. But Paul would say, listen, in light of all that, in light of all those assumptions, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, all that God's done. Do you know how much God loves you? He gave everything for you. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is the logical thing to do to say, God, blank check. My life is yours. I'm not rushing into another relationship until I get me figured out. I'm not pledging my life to another person until I get me figured out. I'm not going to move in with anybody else, hopefully until you're married, but anybody else until I work on me. I want you to transform me, God, because I'm looking around, and what's normal in our world is not working. And Paul would say, in light of what God has done for you, surrender your life to his will, and he'll take you in an amazing direction. Paul would also say, hey, do not conform 
to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. If you just end up like everybody else, you're going to have a relationship with everyone else. And you know somebody that when you look at their marriage and their relationship, you're like, that's different. I want that. Well, they most likely did not get what they have by being a cookie-cutter kind of person in a cookie-cutter relationship. So let me give you just what I think is my best advice, the best advice, if you need to get out of a cycle of dating and relationships that's just as Groundhog Day and unhealthy. It's a step that's so difficult, but I've seen it change people's lives. If you are in a pattern of unhealth in your relationships and dating for single people, would you be willing to take a year off? Just, just stop. If you're thinking to yourself, you know what, okay, I, I blamed him, I blamed her, I blamed my mom and my dad. Yeah, but I'm the one constant in my unhealthy dating relationships. Would you be willing to take a year off and get out of the cesspool of the dating world that we live in? I mean, literally, mark your calendar. May 9th, 2022, I will not date anyone or get connected to anyone romantically for one year. And I'm going to take the next year and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to read. And I'm going to show up in church and I'm going to sit on the front row and I'm going to listen intently. And I'm going to get in a community group. And I'm going to ask some wise people what they've seen me. And I'm going to Listen, not because I want to get punished, because I want to change. I want to be transformed. I want to open God's word up and read what's true about all of us. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to be part of what is healthy, and it's good. And maybe for some of you, it means you need to break up right now. Because you know whoever he is, whoever she is, and maybe they didn't come with you today because they don't want any part of this. You just know, man, I got to get out. I got to move out. I got to leave i got to get it on a different path. Because the reality for all of us is that if you don't want next time to be like last time, do something different in the meantime. Now, I have to give you a warning. Because we've had people do this. In fact, we have some stories in our church when we've talked about this in the past. And people that have taken tremendous steps forward and their lives were completely changed by taking a year off. I mean, it is, there's proof in the pudding, but I have to warn you about this. If you decide to do this, like today, like May 9th, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to date for a year. In about two weeks, you're going to find the perfect person for you to date. I just want you to know that. They're going to be beautiful, they're going to be smart, they're going to be handsome, and they're going to be perfect. And they might even love Jesus like the person you've been praying for would love Jesus. And you need not date them yet. I love you. Listen, because you're not ready yet. And if you're not ready yet, it's not ready yet. You need a year off to get clarity. So when you do run into that right person, you will be the right person. And you will never, ever regret it. We have seen this play out in the most amazing ways time and time again. On the positive, and I've also seen the the negative. I've had people look, look at me and go, Matt, you're an idiot for talking about this stuff. It, it, it's foolish, man. It's asking way too much. And I've had people come back five years later. Yeah, I shouldn't have married him. I shouldn't have gone down this path. I was not ready. It wasn't about him or her. It was me that wasn't ready for it. But when you do this, you take time and you evaluate. 
and you transform your mind and your heart, you become the person you're looking for is looking for. And there'll be a day in the future you'll look back and you'll say, I'm so glad I did because now I'm ready. So here's my question for you. If you're a follower, follower of Jesus, would you be willing to say, God, my life, it's a blank check to you. And I don't know why you're asking me to do these weird things. I don't know why you're asking me not to live with him. And I'm not sure of all that stuff. But my ways are not working out, God. So here's my blank check. You use me and lead me and guide me where you want me to go. And if you're not a Christian, the invitation is open to follow Jesus into the best way of living that we have ever seen. Not, not to get something from him. But because of what he's already done for you by giving his son to die on a cross and love you in a way no one will ever love you. In the most amazing, grace-filled, passionate ways. Come on. Let's do this. Let's lean into this. Let's be transformed, not conformed. Because God loves you. Guys, I love you too. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I am grateful that people taught me this along the way. And as hard as it was for me, Lord, that I tried to pay attention to it, and for every person in the room that's struggling to say, God, you be in control of my life. God, you lead me wherever you want to go. I pray that you'd give them the courage and the strength to follow you. Lord, I would hope and ask that people would see that you want what's best for them, that you gave everything for them to know your good and pleasing and perfect will. But help us not just to know, but do this and your love and your grace and maybe for the person that's totally an upside down dating relationship that they would step back and get clarity and make the hard decisions to put themselves in the best place that they can possibly be thanks for your love thanks for your grace and thanks for jesus who gave all for us in your name i pray lord amen